Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well-being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 42 of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. This is your host, Jessica Tai, and I have again with me here tonight the wonderful Derek Tai. Well, thank you very much. I'll be happy to do <laughs> the minimum I can to represent the layman out here. So, <laughs> the layman. Well, but, I don't know all the stuff, and but I enjoy learning. So, well, you know a lot. You know a lot. You sit around. I'm checking out the cord on my computer. Sorry, I was distracted there. That it looked like it wasn't charging. I thought, oh no, we're going to be recording in the middle of this. It's going to um, cut us off. So I have a stockpile. I mean, like they are piling up faster than I can get back to people. So I can see the stack. So that's a pretty significant. Oh my gosh! It's and I have to tell you guys seriously. I know that uh, when I kind of give little confessions and kind of just get real with you guys on this podcast or through social media. Um, it, it appears that that is very helpful. So I will just give you a moment of realness. I kind of feel like I'm drowning. <laughs> so I'm a little overwhelmed. Um, I'm in like the final, you know, couple of months or month and a half of my um, and that was just a notification coming in on one of our vacation properties. So, like I said, I feel like I'm just treading water, keeping my head above right now. Um, I'm coming up on the end of my NTA training. So, uh, that is coming to a close. And to be honest, it is super intense right now. And I am just having a really hard time. Uh, feeling like I can balance all of this stuff. The, our two rental properties are heating up like crazy. I mean, they are just, we are getting several inquiries a day per property. And it's been, it's a lot. It's like a full-time job and I have a full-time job, so I can't do that. So it's been a lot. And then we just have a, I mean, it's just a lot of stuff going on. It's the last month of the kids' school and you know, planning for the cruise and planning for, you know, I've got a corporate wellness event coming up that I'm hosting. And so just all this kind of stuff. So, and then just my client load, you know, my normal stuff that I've got going on and then the podcast and all this kind of stuff. So not trying to complain, but man, I am feeling the pinch right now. Well, it's springtime and there's a lot going on in uh, both our worlds right now. You know. Yeah, I so. know. You're super busy too. Yeah, but it's a good thing and I'm, I'm very blessed to have the business and mm -hmm. uh, blessed to be with you and just celebrated our 25-year dating anniversary. No, yay. That was so fun. Yeah, that was. So <laughs> we actually took a night away from the kids. Uh, I had a men's uh, retreat that I went on this weekend, which was kind of inconvenient timing for an anniversary of 25 years dating but uh, I said hey when I get back on late Saturday night Sunday morning let's just go out Sunday night so we got to go out for dinner last night and it was a lot of fun and I uh, got to get away from the kids for a couple hours and just talk for a little bit catch up and I'm glad we did that yeah it was great because you hadn't really got to tell me too much about your trip and pretty much you just told me everything 
everything during our I dinner, so it was to. nice. Yeah, so it was good. But you know, I have to say that maybe that's part of the reason why we are at 25 years. You know, that you took this weekend and went on a men's retreat to learn how to be, not learn how to be, but just to, <clears throat> just to really focus on, just kind of being the best human you can be, the best dad you can be, the best husband you can be, the best man you can be, the best friend you can be, just, you know, really focusing on, like, you know, just all those things that, that kind of can make you uh, a better person, not what more you can give to someone else, but realizing what has already been given to you and how you can draw on that to continue to um, just to continue to live the best life that you can and follow the path that has kind of you know been set before you and that, that you're on and to really be um, that just how much grace that we have been shown you know as Christians that we you know know all the grace that we've been shown and to be able to try and to show that to other people and specifically in this men's retreat, from what you were telling me, I feel like it was very focused on uh, showing that grace to your spouse, your family, your relationships, you know, these very intimate relationships that a lot of times as men, <clears throat> women struggle too, but as men, um, you know, kind of struggle sometimes to hold those relationships together in, in this world that's very broken and very hard to navigate. What- and I just want to say that you deserve a lot of credit for that because that's a big deal and you are like the most amazing man that I know of as, you know, for sure. I mean, you just are period, but, um, but in, but things like this is what makes you so amazing. Like you are always trying to improve yourself and you don't look at me like, you know, you, it's your problem. You need to do better. You need to be a better wife or you need to do this or that. You're always trying to, trying to work on how you can be a better partner and a better husband to me. And you inspire me to do the same for you and to always be trying to figure out what can I do to be a better wife to you and just to have more harmony in our home and for our home to run better. And so I think it's, it's just, it's beautiful that you do that. And I, I just wanted to kind of point that out. It's, it's a lot easier to be offended. It's a lot easier mm-hmm. to be selfish. It's a lot easier to say, well, I'm not getting what I want out of something. And I mean, you make it easy for me because I don't have to feel that <laughs> way about you. But I can imagine a lot of men especially feel broken because they don't get um, satisfaction out of their marriage like they wish they would have. Right. And, you know, I feel very satisfied, which is great. But I also got to spend time around other guys that are some of them may struggle a little bit with that mm-hmm. um, and I feel blessed to be in a good place with you but I also felt very um, aware of the fact that I'm I need to be a better dad and be more forgiving and more gracious and loving and mm-hmm. kind to the kids like because we are high achievers I mean with just our mentality we're always going after the next big thing and we like to have everything documented and everything right and everything successful. And, you know, not that we always do, but we try, right? We, we try to be successful right. in all these areas of our life. And holding our kids to that kind of standard is pretty pretty tough. So mm-hmm. sometimes uh, I, I know that I probably expect a little too much out of the kids. And I just want to, I came back from the retreat being more aware of the fact that I want to love them wherever they're at and give them unconditional grace and love no matter what. And 
they'll eventually become the people that they're going to be and just to love them and whatever that is. Right. So to me, that's kind of the big takeaway I had from the weekend. That's great. That's good. Yeah. And I have to love myself for where I'm at too, because I can tell you, I'm I'm harder on myself than anybody's. Mm-hmm. I'm harder on myself than I am on anybody else. Yeah. So I have to kind of let myself off the hook and say, you know what, you're doing an okay job here and there. You know, just you know, don't don't worry so much. Aw, right? you're doing an excellent job. <laughs> I've never had any other husbands, but. <laughs> But I can say as far as I'm aware and from from what I need and what I see, you're about the creme de la creme. You are the cream of the crop. <laughs> you're I wouldn't trade you in for anybody that I know. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's nice. No, for real, you're great. And you you shouldn't be so hard on yourself as um, you know, I definitely feel like I'm much harder on the kids than you are and you're a great dad and they they definitely appreciate and love you and um, and yeah, I think it's good to be aware of where we are and try to make changes and listening to you talk at dinner last night, um, about all of this stuff, it made, <laughs> I can't help but to think nutrition, right? So the whole time, you know, you're t- not the whole time. I shouldn't say that, but many times you would say certain things and I would just think, wow, I mean, just think if people were eating the right nutrition to fuel their bodies, their cells, their, you know, everything. It's such, it, it that, that gut brain access mm-hmm. is so real and it's so connected. Your gut and your brain are so connected. And to just think about how, if you give your body the right fuel and you're getting all the nutrients, you know, you're not... Uh, your body's not starving for those micronutrients that it needs, how different people, I mean, I know for me personally, I I mean, I have seen that my own N equals one experience experiment when I, when I, you know, um, slip up or whatever you want to call it, when I choose to indulge in sugars and carbs and things that I used to indulge in, Oh my gosh. I mean, mood swing, mood swings. I can't even help it. Like, I don't even know they're coming until I've done it. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that was the sugar talking. Like what is wrong with me? Like it's real. Like it's very real. When I was thinking too, you know, it's like we've talked about on the show before and I've listened to your podcast with other people on here before. And you know, all the things, you know, your mental clarity, your tiredness, Mm -hmm. your energy level in your sex drive. And all these things are connected to, how you're processing, you know, your food and, you know, your brain, you know, when, when I think about people that are like constantly depressed and I'm thinking, are they on a low fat diet? Right. I mean, because I've my own research and I'm a layman, I've seen a link to, um, depression and low fat diets. And I'm thinking, man, like how many years did I think about like, well, I had to eat low fat and trim everything and, you know, the skim milk and the low-fat cheese and the low-fat crackers and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And I wonder how much of my own, you know, anxieties and worries and just feeling down was due to the fact that my brain was starving. There. Yeah. I'm just, that's just me. So no, I think if I was like that, and I thought I was being pretty healthy. Right? right. And you're starving your brain of what it really needs. Like people say, well, your brain needs glucose. Well, yes, it does. And your liver makes what it needs, by the way. So if you never eat it, that's fine. But it also desperately needs fat and cholesterol. Our brain needs cholesterol. And cholesterol, incidentally, makes up 
um, you have to have cholesterol for healthy cells. It makes up the um, protective uh, the protective um, membrane. Membrane. Thank you. <laughs> My brain. <laughs> Apparently, I need some more fat tonight. <laughs> I think I've been listening um, too much. To the yeah, podcast. it makes up those protective membranes on every cell in your body. So if you're trying to now, your body makes cholesterol, and it makes the majority of the cholesterol that you need. But if it doesn't have the proper building blocks and it's having to beg, borrow, and steal from every other place in your body, it just makes sense that eventually you're going to come up with short. You're going to have some deficiencies somewhere, right? So it's going to start taking, you're going to start finding deficiencies in your body. So I'm teaching this class tomorrow called The Six Personal Perspectives, and it's basically formed after what billionaires and super highly successful people, what they do. It's my first time ever teaching the class. And I was listening to another instructor teach it out of Florida, and it was really interesting. He was telling a story about how him and his wife, who owned part of the market center there of this real estate company, decided to, to do an experiment, and they wanted the people in their office to be higher producers. They, they wanted to get more production out of their employees, so they gave them all a Fitbit, and they basically started making them more aware of what they were eating and how much they were actually moving every day. Mm-hmm. And they did this one-year experiment, and they did the math on their production numbers. And it was like 20% across the board average out of like 20 agents that were on their team or you know their group right. that had agreed to participate in this experiment. By them eating uh, a healthier diet and... Just having the Fitbit awareness of how many you know steps they were taking mm-hmm. every day, their their productivity increased twenty percent as a group. Wow! And the stories are incredible. They're like one person got off diabetes medication and another one did this and that. So when we talk about relationship health, it's very fair to talk about nutrition because mm-hmm. I think in my world of being a business productive person, it's just a duh like. You've got to feed your body right and stay active. Right. Absolutely. And that's just on a pure numbers. Like if you're a business owner out there, why wouldn't you have a wellness program for your employees? You know, and we're doing that. um, You know, the cool thing is, is Jesse has decided to do a wellness little mini seminar at our uh, real estate office. And I've been begging her to do this for three months (laughs) and she's going to do it here soon. But it's going to be basically, uh, I think it's going to be a great benefit to the agents in our office Mm -hmm. because I want everybody to be more successful and I want them to be healthy and I want them to be happy and I want them to have great relationships. Okay, so let's move on to this because we are going to run out of time um, (laughs) to actually get to the kind of the meat of it. So I wanted to talk a little bit about today kind of um, what your keto looks like. Like how do you find your keto? So... I guess, what do I mean by your keto? Basically, it just means, you know, your keto uh, lifestyle may look a little bit different than my keto lifestyle. You know, I understand that there are macro guidelines out there and I've even given those and I've, you know, I may say eat more fat, eat more calories, you know, these types of things. But, um, you know, those are just generalities. But when it comes to your lifestyle, your diet, we really, you know, I really try to encourage people and I try to help guide people to find what works for them. You know, what really makes you feel good. And really you're the only one that knows that. Um, I, you know, I can tell you what to do or any other, you know, podcaster or, or, um, you know, coach or anything can tell you what to do, but really, uh, we're not living in your body. So, so I don't know how it makes you feel. I don't know how it's affecting you. So, um, so I'm always encouraging people 
people to find what works for them. And um, so I kind of wanted to focus a little bit on that in this episode. And so I have a couple of emails that have come in that I think will be good to kind of address this kind of basic concept. Um, The answers to what they're asking kind of will be encompassed in this kind of finding your own keto. So this email is from Linda. It says, hi, Jessica. I hope this is finding you well. I've been listening to your podcast since I started researching keto, and I love it. I love how real and honest you are and how informative it is. Thank you so much, Linda. Um, I've been doing keto now for two months and have definitely been in ketosis for the last three weeks. I started blood testing three weeks ago, trying to figure out my own path, but I feel like your podcast has struck such a chord with me as I am exploring my diet more, and especially as a woman doing keto. You often hear people doing keto just pounding away at the bacon, 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 mantra. Like once you go keto, you can just eat all the fat and protein with no consequences like weight gain or being kicked out of ketosis. I have other female ketoers um, and we are all perplexed by that and more like the following questions. No one seems to be answering them directly. So with that said, here goes. Okay. Her first question. I know you talk about macros and that you counted more carefully in the beginning. I'm assuming you used one of the macro calculators online. So, um, yes, Linda, I did. I used, uh, well, I used an app. So I used the one called, um, carb manager. I think, I think I just recently downloaded it again on my phone because I did it a couple podcasts ago. I kept track again. Yeah. Carb manager, uh, is what it is. I kept track again, um, to share that with listeners. And that is the one that I used. Uh, when I was getting started. So yes, an app that you can download. Okay. Um, then she says, um, she says, I have done my calcs across a lot of different calculators and found they all seem to say the same thing around carbs, around 40 total protein around 65 and fat around 98. Um, I have read Finney and he doesn't say anything about force feeding lots of fat to get into to to ketosis. Sorry. Just simply limiting carbs should get us there. However, there are others out there preaching that we need to eat tons of fat to get into ketosis and enjoy the benefits of ketones. What are your thoughts? Calories may not count as much as balancing macros, but if I eat 200 grams of fat, my body has to do something with it, right? This goes for protein too. How how, many high profile ketoers regularly talk about eating so much bacon and steak, but that protein can be a problem thoughts. Okay. So first let's kind of talk about, um, you say, however, uh, force feeding a lot of fats to get into ketosis, just simply limiting carbs should get us there. Okay. So here is, um, let me first kind of talk about that point. So number one, um, just limiting carbs technically should get you into ketosis because so let's just look at it like this. You have two forms of fuel that your body can use. You can use fat for fuel, or you can use sugar for fuel or glucose. So those are your two choices. So if you limit carbs enough, then your body has no glucose to use for fuel, then it'll have to find another fuel source. So it either How- converts the protein or... right. So that's exactly right. So here's the problem. What happens is, and I think, I think maybe where, and I've probably said this too, and maybe it's been confusing. So this is a great opportunity. Linda brings up a great question. It's a great opportunity to kind of clear the air here. So I think where maybe she's 
feeling, uh, or, or, and maybe people have said this, but, but, um, this is definitely not what I've said or meant to say, but, um, that she says force feeding fats to get into keto- to ketosis. I think most of the experts in the field, um, certainly understand that that is not needed to get into ketosis. You don't force feed fats. However, you generally need to go much, much higher in fat than you have ever eaten before because we've been restricting it so much that we've had little to almost no fat. And to provide your body with a source of fuel other than glucose, you have to give it a bunch of fat or it's not going to make that conversion. Like you just said, if you're also giving it protein, you're going to end up in this state between being a fat burner and uh, between being able to switch to being a fat burner and still your body only knowing one process of fuel, carbs. Gluconeogenesis happens because of the protein. That's exactly right. So you eat enough protein. So every bit of protein that you're eating Mm. and whatever carbs you're eating, your body is desperately trying to get enough fuel out of. So it will, and it will start breaking down muscle if it has to, to get protein to provide your body with glucose to fuel your body. So the, 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 big deal I think is, and the big kind of, hopefully this is an aha, is that to get into ketosis properly, to become fat adapted, to get your body to switch, it's a whole different enzymatic process to burn fat as it is to burn carbohydrates. Now your body can do both, um, and it will do both, but, and, but if you've been, if you've been restricting Car, or restricting fat and probably restricting calories, especially for women, most of our lives, and burning carbs. And then you all of a sudden are like, okay, now I'm going to be a fat burner. Your body's like, uh, we don't know how to use this. <laughs> so, so you have to give it time to switch over. But in order to get that switch over to happen, you have to give it that alternative fuel source, in this case, fat, so that it says, oh, okay, okay, we got fat. That's right. Oh, yeah, I kind of remember what it was like. Because remember, we're born ketone-producing, fat-burning babies. That's what we do. But what about fasting like as a Kickstarter though? So fasting can help because the reason why is you are taking away the carbohydrate source. So if you've taken away the carbohydrate source and now you and protein source, you have no you have no source of glucose. And you have body fat. You burn through your glycogen stores, right? That are in your muscles and your liver. You burn through that first. And if you're fasting, then your body's like, okay, well, we got um, every pound of fat is about 3,500 calories. So your body's like, shoot, this girl's got calories for days. We're good. So it'll start burning the, that fat, and it will learn. It will switch over that process and learn how to do that. Wouldn't it start burning your muscle first, though? Because if that was the preferred uh, fuel source already was the uh, glucose source, and we knows it can convert protein to uh, fuel through the nucleo, uh, geo, geo, <laughs> gluconeogenesis. It, yes. so wouldn't <laughs> Very it, so, good. So, wait, but, so I guess I'm trying to put two and two together. So yeah, wouldn't so it try to start with your muscle first? There is first? some controversy around that. However, here's the way that I have heard it explained and the way that makes sense to me through what I know and what I've learned is 
let's say that, um, so let's say that you are, it's middle of winter and you're cold in your house and you don't have your, your heating system is gone out. Okay. So your heating system is glycogen, your glucose stores, right? Okay. It's gone out. Can't use it anymore. You're like, shoot, what are we going to do? Well, we have a fireplace that's awesome. Let's use our fireplace. And in this instance, your fireplace is your fat burning um, abilities, right? And so then your body's like, or so then you say, okay, great. Let's grab some wood to throw in the fireplace. And you've got a big old stack of wood that you could use for the fireplace. But instead you say, you know what? Okay, great. Grab that kitchen table. Let's cut it up. You're like, wait a minute. We need that kitchen table. We eat dinner on that kitchen table. So you're saying the body would prefer the fat that's already being stored for this rainy day occasion. Why would your body eat all of the protein from your muscles that it needs if you are in danger? Your body needs those muscles. It knows that. It needs those. To get away from a dangerous situation. So why would it use that? And, and go through the process of gluconeogenesis, the whole breakdown, when when you've got the excess fat stores, that is what is stored. That's why fat's stored on your body. Well, like I know that like whenever I've been really sick in my life, mm-hmm. like I would have a couple of days where I didn't want to eat. I know I lost weight around my belly. or Right. You know, so you would think that just by right. nature. Your arms would, didn't get smaller, right? You didn't notice like your arm muscles going away. You noticed the There stomach. is atrophy if I didn't move. Sure. But yeah, but that's But different. think about like animals. If, if an animal is sick, what's the very first thing that they do? They stop eating. Mm-hmm. So anytime an animal gets sick, that's not because, you know, the animal's not worried about the fact that it won't be able to outrun the predator tomorrow because its muscles are going to be wasted away. It knows that it has to heal. It has to get better. It takes a lot of resources to eat. So an animal fasts. And that that's a whole nother tangent because, you know, the whole fasting thing, there's a lot of um, negativity around fasting and people, you know, being worried about, oh, you can't fast because um, you're starving yourself and all this craziness. Now, there is some differences between if you're trying to fast and you're a carb burner and that's what you are and you're skipping meals and doing all that kind of thing versus being a fat burner and your body knowing that. So is there a period of time where your body is struggling because it's used to running on glucose and now you're giving it nothing and it's like what am i supposed to do yes there is isn't that kind of like and i fasted before but and i fasted both as a carb burner and i fasted as a fat adapted person Mm -hmm. going into fasting as a fat burner there was no pain no extreme hunger pangs no you know none of that stuff happened but when I've done it as a carb burner, I remember, you know, within a few hours and then for the next day, I was just like doubled over into stomach pain almost because I was so hungry. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's kind of the learning curve for your body is when you're a carb burner, um, when that's your main fuel source and you take that fuel source away, your body does struggle for that. So I, um, I actually started my keto journey with a fast. <laughs> But I don't recommend that that people do that. That's I think that that's a, a hard way to go, and you need to be. Um, it wasn't pleasant for you. Right? No, it wasn't pleasant. It was very difficult. It was not my first fast, but it was uh, probably the hardest one. It was the long, probably the I think it was the longest one I had done, and it was um, up until that point, and it was definitely not pleasant. So, 
I don't recommend that you start that way. But so basically, let's get back to Linda's question. Um, so Linda's question about the um, fat. So I hope that kind of helps a little bit. I don't think that anybody means that you need to force feed fat. And of course, um, you know, I had this discussion with someone not too long ago. Is so it, so like a lot of times you hear people talk about um, MCT oil and and you know if you want to get higher ketones, you need to take MCT oil in. And so I think there's a little bit of kind of a misnomer around that, at least the way I understand it or the way that I look at it is, um, yeah, you can bump up your ketones with by taking MCT oil, but I feel like that's a almost like an artificial way to do it. So I think MCT oil is great and um, adding it to your foods and all that. I totally do that and I think that's a great thing to do. Um, but your MCT oil, uh, it's a medium chain triglyceride and that is actually processed. It doesn't even go through the digestive process. It is immediately processed by your liver. So um, your liver takes that and immediately converts it to ketones um, for, for fuel. So I think if you're, so my, my point to this person was, well, yeah, if you're just like, what's the point of just taking MCT oil to get a bigger ketone reading? What exactly does that even tell you? What does that even matter? Because the whole point is not to just see how high I can get my ketone readings, but for my body to be running as efficiently and well as possible burning fat, right? I mean, that's the idea. So I don't, really get the whole the whole thing so so I definitely don't agree with like force feeding fat to get into ketosis or because you can certainly do that with like MCT oil for example and really bump up your your ketone production I don't think that that means that you're in better ketosis than you were without it so I think that's so that's kind of my point on that and then um he says uh or she says um Eat tons of fats again in ketosis, then enjoy the benefits of ketones. Okay, I mean, I, I understand the benefits of ketones, but again, I think that's kind of negating the whole, the whole idea here, the whole principle of being getting fat adapted, teaching your body to burn these ketones and run on these ketones efficiently. Um, what are your thoughts? Okay, calories may not count as much as balancing macros, but if I eat 200 grams of fat, my body has to do something with it, right? Okay, and then she says this goes for protein too. Um, Yes and no. So fat, the way that our bodies process fat is if we are not going to use that fat, as long as we're talking about healthy fats. Now, I'm not talking about rancid seed oils and hydrogenated fats and trans fats. Those are not real fats. Those are chemical concoctions that we've come up with that our bodies do not know what to do with. So they get stored all over the place in all kinds of bad areas and they cause all kinds of horrible things inside our body that we do not have time to get into today. But when we are talking about good quality, healthy fats, um, animal fats, polyunsaturated fats, monounsaturated fats, you know, olive oils, avocado oils, different nut oils, um, lard, uh, all the, all those all those things, um, our body, and the way it processes it is whatever we don't use immediately for our energy sources, it excretes. Well, now protein, 
on the on the other end of it is um, protein also cannot be stored. Um, however, our body will convert that protein um, through you were just talking about gluconeogenesis um, into glucose. And we will then use that protein for fuel because we, um, we, you know, we break that down. We need the amino acids and protein for precursors to all types of different processes in our body, um, including, including, uh, phase two liver detoxification. So that's one of the reasons I really push bone broth, um, to most of my, I mean, to pretty much every one of my, I don't think I've ever not told a client to take bone broth daily, but that's why I even pushed it on the show. And pretty much anybody that knows me knows that I like bone broth, bone broth, bone broth, because, um, it has all the amino acids that you need in it to help with phase two detoxification, which many of us get stuck in phase one and aren't able to go any further. So the super important for that. So, um, so yeah, it, so the answer to that question is, um, yeah, your body does have to do something with it, but it's very different. So 200 grams of carbs, 200 grams of protein and, or I'm sorry, calories, she says calories. So 200 calories of protein, 200 calories of carbs and 200 calories of fat behave very differently in our bodies. They do very different things. Mm. Um, so when we have too much glucose and, uh, or, you know, in the form, because we had too much carbohydrates or too much protein, then our body, um, through, you know, releases insulin. We have glucose into our blood, uh, insulin, pancreas releases insulin. Um, the insulin is actually used to then, uh, shuttle that fuel source to the cells. This is how we become insulin resistant. We have too much uh, glucose all the time, too much insulin all the time, and eventually those cells stop responding. It's like the boy who cried wolf, right? Like we hear it so much. We're just like, you know what? We are not even listening to this guy anymore. Like he just keeps crying wolf and we're full. We're full of it. Can't take anymore. So that's essentially what happens in our bodies to our cells. And so then that sets us up for a whole bunch of issues, right? Um, and then those, uh, any glucose then that can't be used, these carbs that we're eating, that we're just overeating, then that is what gets turned to triglycerides and stored as fatty deposits in our body. That's actually what makes us fat, not fat. Um, so then she says, uh, hi, many high profile ketoers regularly talk about eating so much bacon, but that protein can be a problem thoughts. So yeah, that protein can be a problem. I agree. And this is where finding your keto comes into play. So the 7525 is a guideline. Um, most people need to be under 30 grams or less of carbohydrates to stay in ketosis. But that's not to say everybody has to do that or that you have to do that every single day. Um, once you become fat adapted, and like I uh, had said and, and Linda touched on, is in the beginning, I was tracking everything and I was very specific, you know, try to be very specific about it and really focus on, uh, on my macros and making sure I was in ketosis and I was, um, you know, registering ketones and all this stuff. But then once I became fat adapted and it was very easy for me to do that and I knew what that felt like and I um, felt like I was running very good on that, then I was able to start playing with it a little bit more. Um, I played with experimenting with having 
more carbs here and there and that type of thing, which I actually think works very well for me, but you have to figure that out for yourself, what works well for you. So um, then she says, number two, in episode 39, you talked about 2000 calorie day. Do you eat that much on a typical day or were you demonstrating how someone could do that with the keto way of eating? Um, Those were two actual days. I actually tracked two days of what I eat in a day. And those were two days. There are some days that I am certain I come under that. And there are some days that I'm certain I I eat more than that. So one of the things just to go back to is she says in her fat, uh, fat around 98, I'm assuming she's meaning 90, 98 grams per day, uh, carbs around 40 protein around 65. The protein sounds, uh, right in line. The carbs sound maybe a little bit high. Um, and the fat sounds super low to me. Now, of course, I'm just talking in generalities again, but I did go back and look at when I did my carb manager thing um, and I looked at, I had one day I had 173 or 177 grams of fat and the other day was like 155. Um, I, I would be really surprised if I ever eat under 100 grams of fat a day. You know, basically with my way of eating, my lifestyle is I always eat fat first. Like fat is the number one thing that I that I am looking for to help fuel my body, um, keep me satiated, all of that. So even if I'm only going to eat one meal a day and maybe there's no way I'm going to get 2,000 calories in in that one meal, um, I'm still going to be eating the large majority of that meal is going to be fat. At least that's the way, you know, I'm going to try and, and, and focus it. And so the calories are going to be naturally higher because fat is just a much more dense, um, calorie wise. So that kind of helps with that as well. But, um, once you are better at intuitive eating, you really don't have to worry so much about, am I getting enough calories or am I not? I think it's really good to just eat to satiety, um, fast when you feel like fasting and really just kind of keep it mixed up as much as you can. You know, like I'll have, I'll have people that will say, well, I am eating ketogenic or I want to be ketogenic, but, um, number one, I'm scared to death of the calories per day. Like you're telling me to eat more fat, but oh my gosh, I'm going to be eating like 2000 calories a day. And how am I supposed to eat? I think I'm supposed to eat like 1200 calories a day. And you're like, uh, no, that's probably your basal metabolic rate is probably thousand to 1200 calories a day. That means just your resting. This is, I do nothing to keep your body alive. You will burn a thousand to 1200 calories a day. Bedridden. Right. Like you just do nothing. So then you have to say, okay, well now like that's just to keep your body functioning. So then now you do add on everything else you do during the day. Do you still really think you need to eat 1200 calories a day? I mean, and this is like, this is even way more important when it comes to us women because we have so many processes in our bodies that are dependent on us getting enough fuel, on our bodies feeling like we are not starving, that we have all the fuel that we need and everything that we need is going to be there. 
This is also why it's controversial for women to fast, why some people would say, you know, that is uh, detrimental to your health as a woman because uh, it's going to throw your hormones off and it's going to do this and that. Now, listen, I've looked at studies about fasting, lots of them, um, prior to starting my own fast, fasting regimen, um, and then also just since just researching fasting. And um, there are studies that look at uh, women not doing, um, like intermittent fasting, for instance, one of the reasons that I like to intermittent fast, but not intermittent fast the same time or the same way every day is exactly that, that we're talking about. It's the, it's making sure that my body never feels like there is a period of time where I am starving or I am not getting food. When you restrict your calories and you're only giving your body the bare minimum that it needs per day. So whether that's a thousand or 1200 calories a day, or for some people, it could be more than that. Then that's when it goes into the quote unquote starvation mode. That's when your body says, man, we are just barely getting by. We need to slow everything down and we've got to start, you know, socking this extra stuff away. So the intermittent fasting by doing that, um, in different intervals, your, your body never feels like, oh my gosh, we're starving to death. She's not getting any food because you're not getting a restrict, you know, you're not getting a restricted amount of food during that time where your insulin spikes a little bit and then, oh my gosh, there's nothing. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do for fuel? And then, oh, boom, you know, blood glucose spikes again. Now your insulin has to go out again. Okay. Now, oh my gosh, now there's no food again. Like it's not this constant up and down. It's this period of time you're not getting food if you're fat adapted specifically your body knows immediately it fit whatever it needs it's going to draw from the fat stores that you have and then when you start eating again and you're eating high fat uh, healthy meals that are very nourishing to your body your body recognizes that as well and is like great you know we don't need first of all we don't have a bunch of carbs we need to store away and we've got all this great fuel for building cells and feeding our brain and feeding our hormones and you know all this stuff our hormones like our sex hormones our you know all these different hormones they need fat they need cholesterol to even be built so you wonder like how women who restrict um, calories and they restrict the amount of fat they're getting it's really no wonder why they have, um, you know, infertility issues and uh, sex drive issues and hormone regulation issues because you're you can't regulate that stuff. Your your body is going to shut all of those processes down before it shuts anything else down because you don't need to be reproducing if you don't have enough calories to even take care of yourself, if you don't have enough fuel. So does your body count calories? Heck no. I mean, it doesn't count. It doesn't, I mean, it's like, it doesn't care if you take in 1200 calories or 2000 calories. But the point is, is that's how we count, you know, are you getting enough food or not? So when we know the numbers, it's really easy for us to look at it and say, well, gosh, you know, maybe my 1200 calories a day really isn't so good. And, you know, and, so, so I just want to make sure that we're really understanding that and really looking at that and taking that into consideration when we're talking about what we're eating and how we're fueling our bodies. Okay, so let's get back to Linda's email and um, the next part of the question that she has here. If I eat 2,000 calories a day, do you eat that much? Um, she says, I... It, 
I, and not, I know we aren't really counting calories per se, but I find that when I try to eat a lot of fat, I was not only sickeningly full, but I was gaining a lot of weight, even though I was in ketosis. Could you talk about that? Do you need that much fat being so slim and healthy and in ketosis? If yes, uh, is it because you are just now maintaining or you need that much fat to continue not to lose? So, um, okay. So for me, I definitely have plenty of extra fat still in my body. I mean, more, I I don't even, I mean, I don't even know how to calculate how much, but I have plenty of extra fat still to lose in my body. So I'm not, I am not actively trying to lose weight, but I'm not trying to maintain. I'm just trying to let my body do what it needs to do. So, um, I know there's extra fat on my body. I feel like it, when it's ready to release those fat stores, it will. When, uh, I know right now I'm in a very, uh, stressful season of my life and stress, it plays a huge role in weight loss and your ability to lose weight. So for me to, to even think that my body would let go of any extra fat stores it has right now is like ludicrous. Like I know that's not going to happen because I, there's just no way, and there's no way that my cortisol production and is not like just off the chain. So I know that that's not going to happen. So, um, so for me, I just eat what feels good to me, like what's satiating. Um, one thing I do to kind of, I guess one thing I do to kind of maintain, I guess I should say, maybe not maintain is not the right word, but to not, um, gain weight is especially when we have times that like I will, uh, eat more, like maybe overindulge because I know I'm full, but I'm like, Ooh, I still really want to eat that. Or want to eat that like nights, like the other, like last night when we went out to dinner, um, that's, that's a night that I will probably eat way more food than I actually know that I need to be eating, but I want to eat it. And it not necessarily bad food. Like we didn't have any desserts or sugar or anything, but you just want to eat. So that's fine. But then what, a, one thing that I will do is I will then, um, do a intermittent fasting window afterward, because I know that I was like, man, I took in plenty of food. I'm totally full. I'm going to take, I'm going to give myself a little break. And so then I, and I do that quite often, um, just because it comes pretty naturally anyway. Um, but one key with that is I think where I see a lot of people have a lot of success with intermittent fasting is if you don't do the same fasting window every day. So, so you just switch up the windows of fasting. I think what's important is to, uh, give yourself those give yourself those windows of time where you are not calling on your body to release insulin. So insulin is known as the fat storage hormone because that's not its job. Its job is to escort the fuel source to the cells. So when you, when glucose is in the blood, it will go get that glucose and take it to your cells for, for energy. But when those cells are full, and it can't get any more, or with insulin resistance, it just will not open the door anymore and will not let any of that in, then insulin then will usher that into fat storage, into your fat cells for storage. So because that's the safe place to put it, let's stick it there for later use. Um, so when you can 
So when you cannot call on insulin for a while, it's really, really good for you, especially when you're fat adapted and you are um, burning burning fat for fuel using ketones, it's super, super good for you to lay off the eating for a little bit and let your body use some of the stores that it has. There's, uh, it's an, it's, that's excellent. It's an excellent way to do it, especially if you are looking to lose weight. That's an excellent way to lose weight. You've got extra fat storage on your body for a reason. It's there to be used when the fuel source isn't coming in. So Um, so just kind of to get back to her question, I guess, um, if you're sickeningly full eating fat, then, then you're full, then you don't need to force yourself to eat anymore. Um, your body's going to tell you when you've had, right. Your body tells you when you've had enough fat, that's the beauty of eating fat. You know, when you've had enough, um, she says, but I was gaining a lot of weight, even though I was in ketosis. Could you talk about this? Yes. So briefly, I'm just going to remind you to, or kind of direct you, redirect you back to last week's episode. Um, and actually even the episode before. So episode 41 and 40, we talk a lot about digestion. And last week I definitely talked about a lot about how important it is on a ketogenic diet that your digestion is working properly and you are actually able to use and emulsify those fats. If you are eating fat and you can't digest it, you will feel sick. You will feel nauseous. You will feel bloated. You will feel full. You will feel like, oh my gosh, this is awful. So definitely these things that she's talking about are not good. And of course they make you feel miserable, but there's definitely indications to me that my number one guess without her being a client, you know, I don't know her health history. I'm not working with her, but my number one uh, thought would be that her digestion is not working right. Specifically, probably her bioflow. She's not emulsifying fats properly. So even though she's not really eating that many fats in the overall scheme of things for a ketogenic diet or in relation to the protein and carbs she's eating, it's still making her feel very sick because when you can't emulsify the fats, um, that's what happens. That's how you're, that's how you're going to feel. That's how your, your body's going to react. The biggest issue with this is not only for digestion for her and for the weight loss piece, um, because not being able to do this causes a cascade of other issues. Like you need those fats for, um, healthy skin, hair, nails, hormone production, um, all of those things. And when you're not digesting fats properly, it's also going to cause a cascade of stress response. So, um, you could be holding on to the extra weight thinking, oh, it's because I'm on this ketogenic diet and I'm eating too much fat and I'm gaining weight, where really it's because the ability, the inability to digest the fats that you're taking in are actually causing stress to your body. And uh, that's causing uh, this kind of cascade that is essentially making you hold on to weight or gain weight. So we know we've talked about um, on well a little bit in this episode and in the past that cortisol will absolutely make you gain weight. It'll make you hold on to weight. It'll have you gaining weight. You know it's your stress uh, hormone, <clears throat> one of them, but it's the main one that we that we talk about and we know is uh, very reactive to things like this. So. Um, 
and we also have to remember too that if you're not digesting fat, if you're not able to properly emulsify fat, then you also are not able to properly absorb any of the fat-soluble soluble vitamins that we know that we need. So those are vitamins like A, D, E, and K. So we need all of those super important um, for just all kinds of things. But if our body is not doesn't have those nutrients that it needs, those micronutrients, those vitamins, then that creates stress in our body because now our body is uh, has low resources and can't uh, you know, is unable to do a lot of the processes that it needs all of those vitamins for. So a couple of tips, which again, I urge you to go back and listen to some of the other podcasts where we talk specifically about digestion. But in this case, I would definitely recommend that she take a, um, you know, a, a, a supplement that will help her with bile flow. Uh, I specifically, as a nutritional therapy practitioner, we work with uh, Biotics Research um, products. They are um, very well vetted. They are, you know, pharmaceutical grade supplements. Um, very clean, very good supplements. Whole food based supplements. So, you know, there's one that uh, we carry that I highly recommend. I take myself um, called Beta TCP. Now, you do need to get this through a practitioner. Um, you're, uh, you cannot order this on your own, but um, and that is a great supplement that you can take. You can take just two or three of these little tabs every time you eat, and they will help with the bile production and kind of help get you back on track so you're able to properly emulsify those fats. Another issue with fat digestion could be if you have had your gallbladder removed. So a lot of people will have issues with gallstones, which are have nothing to do with fat that you're eating unless you're eating highly processed rancid seed oils and, um, you know, those uh, hydronated or I'm sorry, um, <laughs> I think it's getting late and I'm having a hard time keeping all my thoughts uh, together, but um, those fats like, uh, like we have margarine and, um, your, uh, canola oil and vegetable oil and all of those types of things, those absolutely will clog up, um, your liver and add to your toxic load and your gallbladder. But what happens is, um, you, your, your, you, when you, especially when you restrict fat, when you restrict the good fats that your body needs to be able to break down, that it needs to break you know, it relies on your liver and your gallbladder to be able to help emulsify those fats. And when you restrict those healthy fats and you're only taking in these, these toxic oils, um, one, what happens is your, your, actually your biliary pathways get congested and you're no longer, um, your gallbladder just can no longer, um, get those, get that bile back out to your liver when it's called on to release that bile. So, um, it ends up calcifying and then, there's, there's all kinds of other, uh, issues with this, um, which can be the improper, uh, um, depositing of calcium and things like that. But basically, uh, you can have gallstones that will manifest in your gallbladder and this leads to a lot of pain and, and problems. 
And this can actually lead to your gallbladder becoming gangrenous. Um, so if you've heard of gangrene, and it can kill you. I mean, it's a very serious thing that can happen. And unfortunately, um, oftentimes if you start getting these pains and people go to their uh, doctor, their physician, their um, physician will just tell them, um, yeah, you have gallstones and no big deal. We can just take out the gallbladder and that'll take care of your problem. But what they're not telling them is how did you get to this spot? How did you, how, how did this happen to your gallbladder? How did it get congested? How did it get the gallstones and what can you do to reverse it? Because most of the time, um, if you're not, you know, if you're just starting to feel those, those, those pains, you can actually reverse the gallstones. You can start giving it support and open back up those biliary pathways and, and you can, relieve this issue with your gallbladder so you don't actually have to have it removed. Um, but if you have, have your, had your gallbladder removed, then you will need to supplement with ox bile and you will need to supplement with ox bile from now on. Um, super important to do because your liver is actually what makes the bile. So your liver makes the bile to emulsify the fat. So you haven't lost that organ, um, obviously, or you wouldn't be here. Um, so you haven't lost your liver, but your gallbladder is what stores this concentrated um, bile. So when you lose your gallbladder, you no longer are able to store enough bile to adequately emulsify the fat that you would bring in in your diet. Um, so whether it's a keto diet or any you know way of eating that you're following, um, you will need to supplement your liver so that you can have readily available proper amount of bile at any given time. Um, that's just super important that you're able to have that. Not having that will just lead to your liver continuing to be congested and can lead to many more problems down the road. So having good bile flow even after your gallbladder is has been removed is just super important. And I, I, I've heard uh, some of these kind of bodybuilder uh, keto podcasters too. And they talk about on the heavy lifting days, yeah. they're hitting it real hard with everything. They still keep their macros relatively the same, right? But they might be doing four thousand calories, right? And then they, the next day, they may be just doing light walking, and they may fast the entire day, right? And their bodies just. You know, yeah. So it's not like, you know, so it might be a day-to-day -day thing. Right. I, I totally agree with that. And when I talk about 2,000 calories a day, too, and, and said this in several podcasts that, that I really believe that that most women for especially need that, you know, I don't want you to feel like you have to force yourself to eat 2,000 calories every single day. If you, you know, if you are full and you're getting, I mean, truly satiated and you are getting good, uh, variety of healthy foods and, um, it, honestly, I don't care what your calorie intake is. I kind of just throw the 2000 calorie number out there because in general, that's what I see women need. I see them restricting a lot. And I don't know this about Linda. I don't know what her history is. I don't know how she has eaten in the past, but um, it's really, really important to remember this is one of those things that happens often with women that start a ketogenic diet. And I see this really freak them out and 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 push them away from going keto sometimes. Um, is is the the weight gain aspect of it um like linda's talking about she feels like when she ups her fat she's uh, gaining weight what we need to think about sometimes is 
um, you know, how long did you abuse your body? You know, how metabolically damaged are you? Um, have you yo-yo dieted for years? Have you restricted for years? You know, have you, have you dieted, binged, dieted, binged? All of those things impact our, our, our metabolism and how it functions. And it's not so easy as to just say, oh, well, your metabolism just is this and it runs this way or that way. You know, your hormones are have this major, major influence on your metabolic rate. So if you're a woman who is struggling, whether this is Linda or anybody else listening, if you're a woman that is struggling with, you may or may not know that you're struggling with it, but if you're struggling with, um, with adrenal issues, so if you're tired and um, have a hard time having uh, energy throughout the day, um, are you craving salty foods? Are you craving sugary fruit foods? Um, do you have this overwhelming urge to binge on food? Um, let's see. Are you struggling with uh, with your moods? Are you struggling with uh, memory, brain? You know, kind of the whole brain fog thing. Um, are you having depression, anxiety? Do you have um, serious mood swings with um, like associated with PMS, like with your menstrual period? Um, you know, are you having these mood swings and this terrible PMS symptoms? Do you have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning? Um, do you have dry skin? Are you losing hair? And these are all signs of adrenal fatigue and there's many, many more, but these are all signs of adrenal fatigue. And if you're dealing with those, any of those things, um, you could also be going down the route of having thyroid issues like a hypo or a hyperthyroid condition. So you could have any of those number of things going on and, um, those things could be stemming from the from the yo-yo dieting, from the deprivation of calories, from over-exercise, from all of these things, which leads to this um, just super, super high cortisol output and this, um, you know, just major stress state that you stay in all the time. And so when you start fueling your body well, and it's able to start being able to um, kind of regulate some of these hormones and some of these processes processes that that can begin to help you correct these issues you may see a little weight gain for a little while while your body is holding on to all of this uh, stuff that it knows that it needs because it's been so depleted for so long. But once it is able to uh, build all of that back up and kind of get everything back in order and start working uh, toward proper function of all of these systems and hormones, you'd be amazed how you can turn, how everything can turn around around, how your body can just start all of a sudden dropping the weight. How, and I have seen this time and time again, where, uh, you know, women will get very worried. They will start putting on weight, um, specifically when they are eating ketogenic because they are no longer restricting. And I'm really pushing them to make sure they're getting enough food every day. 
And then all of a sudden, after a few weeks of this, then they start dropping the weight because their bodies are now in this place where they're like, man, okay, we don't have high cortisol output anymore. Where, you know, we've got the fats and the vitamins and the resources we need to start building these hormones the way we should be. And it no longer fears that you are going to run out of resources. So your body starts basically relaxing and allowing you to drop some of this storage that it has been socking away for a rainy day, so to speak. Um, so just remember that. So you may, I know she said she's only been doing keto for about two months. Um, that is definitely, and only been, and she knows for sure in the last three weeks that she's been keto. So, um, that definitely, she is well within that window that I would expect. I mean, you could put on weight for two, three months that I've seen maybe more, I don't know, but that's what I've seen. And I know that sounds scary and you're like, oh my gosh. And I'm not talking about tons of weight. I mean, most women will just put on a few pounds and then, um, and then that'll start coming back off. Okay, number three, when you eat keto sweet treats, do you ensure that you include those in your carbs for the day? Absolutely. I mean, I the keto treats are not free treats. <laughs> you have to count those. Um, I follow a lot of keto bakers blogs. They always seem to be making lots of amazing treats. Um, but are they really eating those? I don't know. They don't say, or are they reserving them for special occasions? Listen, that's their job. I mean, if you are following like these keto bloggers and things, I mean, there are some amazing ones out there, but that is, we have to remember that is their job and that's what they do. They're constantly, they're coming up with cookbooks. They're constantly making things. Or you have a taste of something. Yeah. Every now and, then. and so I'm sure they're tasting all of those things, but, um, but do they ever sit down and really eat them? I mean, shoot, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what I don't, whatever works for them, I guess. But, but I think that that's their job. So they're going to be doing that, taking pictures of that, testing recipes all the time. Um, when you have a holiday, even if you are bringing, bringing or provided with keto friendly foods, do you try to be mindful of how much you eat? So you don't go way over on the macros. With the understanding that you are not obsessed and probably intuitive, but this is but this is especially for us beginner ketoers. Do you just allow yourself to eat as much as you want because it's keto? No. No. I mean, keto is so I don't so okay, so this came up in an Instagram post today. So I don't think that keto um, describes has to describe the food as much as it describes um, this is just the lifestyle, right? I, this is, I am ketogenic because I burn ketones for fuel, but that doesn't mean that like everything I eat should be classified as keto. Like I just eat food, like I just eat food and I try to eat food that keeps me within what I know works for my body. So, uh, the ratio that I know works. So I know that I don't want to eat too many carbs because if I eat too many carbs, I'm not going to feel good. It's going to kick me out of ketosis momentarily because once you're fat adapted, you will go back pretty easily. But I know that I'm not going to feel good. Um, I know that, you know, all these other things are going to happen. I don't want to eat too much protein, same issue. Um, I'm always trying to work on fat to satiety. So, uh, so no, I mean, when I go to a holiday or do anything like that, I mean, like the, the most recent example I can think of is we were going to your mom's house for uh, a birthday party for a nephew. And we knew that they were bringing, uh, the, your brother was bringing pizza for dinner. And so we knew that we were not going to eat that. And so instead of 
which you can, if that situation happens, which we've done many times, you can just peel the toppings off the pizza and eat it. Eat the cheese, eat the sauce, eat the pepperoni, whatever, that's fine. Just don't eat the crust. That's a way to stay in your ketogenic lifestyle while eating whatever food there is that's provided. But in this instance, we knew ahead of time and I had been craving making a homemade pizza anyway. So we made a homemade pizza and took it over with us. And it was amazing. It was looked so much better than the stuff that they got from the store anyway. It was perfect. So, so that, so you can do things like that, you know, you, so it's not about, you know, is this keto or not? It's just what makes you feel good? Eat what makes you feel right. From my perspective, after two years of doing this, a uh, year and a half, whatever it has been, two years, I can't even remember now. It's been about a year and a half. A year and a half. So my perspective is, you know, I think about, you know, I know the foods that are generally in certain ratios that get keep me in ketosis. So I don't think about how much or eating too little or too much. Because I think if you stick to those ratios, your body just naturally is a stopping point where you feel good. So yeah. like like if I had you know uh, a cheese and, and deli tray, I would eat some of the cheese, I would eat some of the, the meat, and I would roll up some of the cheese and meat together. I might have a couple veggies. And after that, I just I don't think about counting at all. I just know in general what those ratios should look like. But yeah, I can eat as much as I want, but how much do I want to eat? Like once I've had a few pieces of cheese and this and that, I don't want to eat anymore. Right. So it's like not like I counted it to mm-hmm. get to a number or I said, oh, I had to exceed it. It's just my body naturally says, okay, that's cool. You don't, right. And I stopped craving it and stopped wanting to go make trips up to the, you know, the food area because I just don't feel like I need to eat anymore. Like, right. So it's not like I'm like restricting myself. Right. And I'm not counting anything. It's just naturally my body goes, yeah, you've had enough. Well, and I can understand, I, I think I understand anywhere kind of where Linda's coming from with this question because I, as a, as you know, a carboholic, uh, you know, self-professed professed carboholic here for most of my life, I did have that feeling like when... When food was out, when sweets were out, when we were at a holiday get-together, whatever, I would just want to stuff myself with everything. Like, just eat everything because the food's going to be gone. Like, tomorrow it's not going to be there. Like, I need to eat it all now. Like, all of it. And I have always loved food. And so that was kind of my mindset. But I, I think... Part of it, part of the problem is, is that carbohydrates are just not satiating and you just, as soon as you've eaten, practically turn around and you want to eat again. So, because you have to constantly keep stoking that fire when that's what you're using for fuel. So I think that we kind of, it becomes this habit where we're just like, oh, we're constantly thinking about the next meal. We're constantly thinking about what we're going to have next and the next dish and the next thing we can stick on our plate. And the next, you know, you go to a buffet and you're like, how many trips can I make? So, you know, I think you just kind of, that happens. You just get intuitive. So I think with Linda being newer to this, she's just, kind of waiting to come into that understanding and that feeling. So the last thing she says is, can you talk a little more about not really counting veg carbs since you're firmly and deeply in ketosis and are fat adapted? Where do you draw the line between counting and not counting, even if it's a veg? I don't count anything anymore. So I, so I don't really know exactly how to um, do that. Again, I think it comes back to finding your keto. 
Another thing I'd like to talk about real quickly to kind of add in here along those same lines was I did get um, a message today, or not a message, but a, a comment today on a picture that I put out of last night's dinner on Instagram. And it was a picture of, I had a beet salad and it was um, some red beets and some golden beets and then um, a little bit of arugula in the middle and these goat cheese balls that were like fantastic but anyway um so anyway this um follower says it this looks so yummy i love a salad with beets and fried goat cheese but the beet are but are beets discouraged on keto due to high sugar content would this be considered a treat or occasional salad and curious how to coat the goat cheese in a key to be keto friendly looking forward to your version thanks for sharing so um so basically what i wrote back to her is um you know, and I totally am not trying to slam her at all, and I totally understand what she's saying, and I wanted to address address it, though, because I think it kind of goes back again to what Linda was saying is, is this, you know, do keto foods count? And I think that we need to stop looking at things as keto food or not keto food. It's just food. Like, it's all just food, and you just need to figure out how you can be a fat burner. If your goal is to produce ketones for all the health benefits that the ketones provide to us, which are immense, then you need to figure out your keto. What do you need to do in order to be a fat burner and produce ketones? And once you figure that out, whatever that is that you eat within your lifestyle, your keto lifestyle, is your keto food. So for me, beets last night, my beet salad, I was so excited to have that beet salad. It was so good. And yes, beets are a little higher because they are a root vegetable. So any root vegetable is um, higher in sugar and carbs than some other. I think net carbs on a cup of beets is about nine grams of net carbs. That was probably not even a cup of beets. It was two little piles of beets and all this arugula and everything. And you even had, did you even have, I think you had some of the beets, right? Oh, you just had the goat cheese. Okay. I was thinking I shared that with you, but I guess I ate them all, but they, but I felt amazing after I ate that. Like I didn't feel like there was, you know, anything wrong with that or so, you know, and, and there are days for sure, I'm sure eating that because then I also had a glass of wine with dinner. I mean, I'm sure that I was over my typical, um, carb count that will keep me in ketosis, but not a big deal. Um, I think there is nothing wrong with coming out of ketosis every now and then and, and doing that and then kind of getting a little reset and then going back. I think it's actually probably good to be, um, so metabolically efficient like that, that you can kind of go back and forth. Once you're fat adapted there, right? Once you're fat adapted, right. So I didn't worry about those beets. I'm not worrying about them now. And I just want to caution us to watch how we are how we are talking about our food and what we're eating and like what's allowed and what's not allowed. I think we need to focus more on the quality of the food that we're eating and less on, well, you know, those are peanuts, so those are legumes, so that's not keto. Or, you know, those are root vegetables and they're higher in sugar, so that's not keto. It's an oversimplification of something more complicated. Right. It's so much more complicated than that. Okay. So 
that's enough. I think we've, uh, we just talked and talked and talked and that's fine because I think this is good information to get out there, but my podcast episodes are just getting longer and longer. I feel like, cause I have so much information I want to get out there and, um, and that's just the way it goes. But yeah, so let's just focus on the quality of food. Let's focus on this being a lifestyle guys. It's not just about the food and, or the macros. It's about, um, the lifestyle in general. It's your sleep, your stress, everything. And, um, and just, let's just focus on that stuff and, and, uh, not, putting yourself in a box. Just remember that, you know, my keto is going to look different than your keto and it's okay for you to explore and figure out what works for you. Don't keep yourself in a box. Explore it. This is fun. I mean, this is a fun lifestyle. I love this. I've never felt better in my life. It's a blast. And the food's delicious. <laughs> and the food is delicious. And I don't have to feel guilty. Like I don't want you guys to, to, to think, overthink this stuff and start creating this guilt and this, um, you know, it becomes no better than the restriction or the worrying about low fat and calories and all this stuff. If you're, if this is, you know, I don't want you guys to have this mindset around it. This is such a freeing way to eat. It's such a freeing lifestyle. So keep it that way. Don't box yourself up. Don't make yourself feel bad about, about eating like this. So that's it. I hope that helped you guys. I hope they gave you uh, a little bit of information, Linda. I hope that that was, um, kind of the information that you were looking for and that that was helpful to you. And, and I was able to kind of answer those questions. So we are going to very, very quickly wrap this one up, uh, since we went so long today. So if you need to get a hold of me, you can do so. Uh, you can find me at Jessica, I'm sorry, www.jessicatai.com. You can email me Jessica at jessicatai.com. I am on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Nutrition and Instagram at that keto blonde. Um, I am, I do currently have a waiting list for one-on-one, uh, coaching. So if you want to get on that waiting list, you can send me an email and I will add your name to that list. And I think that's all I have. Derek, got anything you want to say? If you uh, want to do a uh, nutritional therapy practitioner consultation in another city, you can still help them out with that too. Yeah, I can. Yep. And um, I will do my best to find a nutritional therapy um, consultant or practitioner in an, in your area and send that information to you. And it's not like I know all of them, but I have access to that information. I'm happy to send it to you. And that's pretty much it. So I hope you guys have a great week. And I've got a couple of podcast interviews I'm doing this week. So I look forward to bringing those to you in the next couple of weeks. All right. See you guys soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode. 